said you can't go back home again for things will not ever be as good as they've been but I've got good news for you when
you folks always got wonderful, wonderful music up here. That's one of the things that I always look forward to hearing when I come here. You, you, you got great music, and I appreciate that. And, and you've kept it the old time. You've kept it the old time way. That's all you can make of it. It's just done. But I appreciate the good song, Brother Bell. That was that was great, and I appreciate it. And it's good to be back here. I mean, uh, my wife Marilyn, we drove last night, or she she drove actually, and uh, we left the meeting last night in, in uh, Logan, West Virginia, Brother Bell. And I preached uh, twice yesterday and once the day before, and had a good meeting. Had a woman. He said, I got all kinds of titles, 
He said, I only got seven or eight sermons. That's sort of that's sort of the way I am. I only got seven or eight sermons and hundreds of titles. And so that I'm, I'm like that too. But I know better than that about Dr. Malone. Uh, he was one of, the, in my opinion, one of the greatest preachers I ever heard in my life. And it's good to, good to be with you. Thank you for that nice room over there. You don't know how good it looked when we rolled in there at 1.30 this morning to get in that room. And uh, we had our stuff all stacked up in one of the cars. We looked like a Beverly Hillbilly. And uh, coming in there last night, and my wife said, it's almost embarrassing you've got so much stuff on this cart. I said, well, you got you got to drag your junk with you, don't you? And uh, we had one of those little wagons, you know, and that thing was loaded. And took it up. Thank you for the nice flowers you had placed in there for my wife and the, and the soft drinks and the, uh, all the treats and goodies, and thank you for everything. The rooms look nice and comfortable. Thank you for everything. And Pastor, thank you for the invitation to come here and be with you once again uh, here at Anchor Baptist in your uh, meeting. And so uh, let me get to preaching a little bit uh, to get out of the way. Look at Genesis 45 and verse number 16. It says, And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, lade your beast, and go and get into the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Now, right there, you got the bus ministry yourself. Said, take wagons and go and get them. Amen. That's what it is. And then he said, regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. In other words, I'll put the gas in them. I'll put the gas in them. You don't worry about it. You just go. You know something? Uh, fuel's got high, hasn't it? It really has, man. It's a, it, you know, it, it's got out the top. But you know something? God provided every drop of it we needed. And I believe this. The Bible said, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. And I believe this, that God will continue to meet the needs. But Pharaoh told Joseph, You get, you got wagons, now we'll provide wagons and provide everything they need. And the children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this matter 10 she-asses laden with good things of Egypt and 10 she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brother away and they departed, and he said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt and came unto the land of Canaan, unto Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons Joseph, which Joseph had sent to, to carry him, the the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my father, or my son, 
he's yet alive, and I will go and see him before I die. I'm going to preach to you out of this uh, passage of Scripture here and use it this morning and talk to you uh, primarily uh, use the phrase uh, there were, uh, that he said, that Joseph said to his brothers uh, there, he said, uh, see that you fall not out by the way. Down in verse 24, he said, see that you fall not out by the way. In other words, my dad's old, and you need to go get him, and don't get sidetracked. Don't, don't fall off to the left. Don't go off to the right. You've got one main thing I want you to do right now. That's go get my dad and go get to our family and bring them down. I want to see my daddy before he goes to heaven. And I want to see him, and, and I'm anxious about it all. And don't you get tangled up and get sidetracked and get off and fall out by the way. And so I want to talk to you about this uh, here. Uh, see that's fallen out of the way. Heavenly Father, uh, it uh, is good to be back here again with my good friend, uh, whom I love, and these other dear men of God, and these sweet people that make up Anchor Baptist Church, and our visitor friends that are here today. God, may the Spirit of God help me, please, today, help my mind to be crisp and sharp and be able to think and say what I need to say. And I pray that, uh, Lord, you'll give me power uh, that uh, I don't have. And I pray that you'll use me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the introduction because most of you know this story about Joseph, how that he was betrayed by his brothers that uh, hated him and put him uh, up for sale as a slave uh, there in the pit. And the Ishmaelites come along, got Joseph, and pulled him up out of the pit and took him down to Potiphar's house down in Egypt and traded Joseph in uh, and sold him to Potiphar. Well, uh, he went to work in Potiphar's house, and the hand of God was on Joseph. That's all you can say. God's hand was all over him. And so everything that they tried to do against him, God was standing right there waiting to bless him. And he got down to Potiphar's house, and you know the story how Potiphar's wife uh, made a play for Joseph. Uh, one day when Potiphar was gone, and Joseph literally ran out of his garment to get away from her. And he ran from her and uh, got away from her, but she lied on him and got him put in prison. And uh, he got put in prison, and he was in there, and then he interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker that was in prison also. They were uh, Pharaoh's servants, and they had messed up some way, got put in prison. And he told the baker, you're going to be hung, but he told the butler, they're going to come in here in a few days and put you right back on your job. And he said, thank you for telling me that. He said, because when I get out of here, he said, I will remember you. I'll remember you. But the Bible said he forgot Joseph. He forgot him and left him in there, I believe, several years. And then one day the Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't do anything with. And he called in his astrologers and all his soothsayers and fortune tellers and all that bunch. And they come in and tried to do what they could with the dream and couldn't get nowhere. They couldn't do a thing with it. And the butler said, I do remember my faults this day. That's a good message. I remember my faults. He said, you got a man locked up up there in the prison house who the Spirit of God's on him. And if you'll bring him out of prison, bring him down here, I think he could do something with it. And uh, so they went and sent for Joseph, and the Bible said Joseph got clean before the king. In other words, the 
before he went in there, the Bible said he shaved and washed and combed his hair and did the best he could. He, he cleaned up as good as he could because he was going before the king. I wish to God today a lot of God's people would, would think about going before the king when they was getting ready to go to church. We listen, you got people now coming in, sweatpants and pajamas and flip-flops and everything else coming in the house of God. Brother, let me tell you something. You better remember, you're in the house of God, and you're and you're representing God. Hey, man, uh, yesterday, me and my wife stopped to get a bite to eat yesterday evening on the way to church, and a, a, a young girl said to me that was waiting on the tables, and she said, Sir, she said, are you, are you going to some special something? I said, I sure am. She said, where are you going? I said, church. She didn't want to say, I'm headed to the house of God. And uh, she just sort of looked funny. I thought, I guess she, she thought I was headed to some political event or something. Uh, but you know something? I believe God's men ought to look like God's men. Yeah. Well, I do. And I believe God's people ought to look like God's people. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not going to camp out on all of that. But anyhow, he got claimed before the king. And he went down there, and God revealed the dream, and he told it. And immediately, Brother Richardson, the king, peeled off his ring and put it on Joseph's hand and went and sent for a robe to put on him and got a, a special horse. And he said, Buddy, you just got promoted. I mean, you're looking. I can use you. And it wasn't long. The Bible said Joseph was the governor of the land. Now, that meant more than governor, like of our state. Uh, that meant vice president's really what it meant. He was the only, the only person that had more uh, had more authority than he was the king himself, Joseph. And then they put him over the food and drug administration. They put him over all that, and so he was overseeing all the rations. And uh, there was a famine in the land uh, back in uh, back in Canaan, uh, uh, where there was supposed to be milk and honey and corn. Food, they was running out of everything because God had cursed them because what they'd done to Joseph. And God was blessing Egypt because of Joseph. See? And so they had plenty down there. So Jacob sent his sons, all but one of them, sent them down there to go get corn and go get feed and go get what they needed. And as soon as they rolled into town and they come in to see, who they needed to see about, they sent them to Joseph. And Joseph looked at him and said, you boys are spies. You've come here to spy our land to plant some kind of attack or something. And they said, oh, no, no, no. And he scared them to death, and he put them in jail and let them sweat it out. And I don't blame him, do you? He put them in jail for a few days. And then he called them out and asked them about, he said, your dad's still believe. How's your family? Well, our daddy's like, got any brothers or more family? Well, we got... Now, one brother that is not, that meant Joseph, he's dead. They didn't recognize Joseph. We got one brother that's dead. We got one dad wouldn't let him come because he'd kill him sometime to him. But, uh, so, yeah, that's what we got. And then here we are. Well, he loaded them down with things. And uh, he loaded them down with things. He put the money back in there, didn't he? Remember that? And he sent them back, but he kept one. He said, now, you can't have everything you're after till you bring that other brother back down here. You come back, and when they run out of rations up there again, Jacob said, you need to go back. They said, we'll not go back unless you let us take our other brother here. Oh, he said, if something happened to him, I'd, it'd be the end of me. And 
they said, but we're not going back unless you let him go. Well, when he went back, when he went back with them, and, and Joseph, of course, the first time he'd seen him, he fell apart and had to excuse himself and, 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 and get straightened up. Now, he sees him. He can't stand it. In this 45th chapter, when he sees his brothers, he, 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 he reveals, he gets along with them, and he said, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. And brother, let me tell you, they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. And Joseph put his arms around all their necks. And uh, Brother Manny began to hug them and kiss them. What a story. What a story. And uh, he began to hug them and kiss them. And he forgave them. He, and then Pharaoh heard about it. And he said, Joseph's daddy's still alive and his brothers are down here. And he said, well, that's great. He said, get them empty wagons we got there and hook them up and give them provision for the wagon. Tell them to go get Joseph's daddy. I know he'd, he'd like to be here. He'd like that. So Joseph then give them wagons, but he said, they see that you fall not out of the way. In other words, fellas, this is important to me. Don't you get out of the way. Don't you get out of the way. Now let me just say this to you today. See that you fall not out by the way when trials come. If you're not careful, when trials come, hard times come, you'll fall out by the way of serving God. See, you're on the you're in the king's business. You're on a journey for the king, and you can't afford to fall out by the way when trials come. They're going to come. There's going to be hardships. You know, last night. On the way, I got in the car, and uh, on the way here last night, I dealt with a family probably for an hour and a half that's going through awful times. And I was on the phone with them, and, and I have been for days. But I was on the phone with them last night, and way up, I was just way past midnight. And then another lady and her mother is having serious uh, procedures today, and she's preaching. I don't know what to tell her, what to do. The doctors. Said they could do this or that. What do you What do you think, folks? Let me tell you, when you got people's lives in your hand, you got to watch what you do. And you know, uh, I did the best I could, tell you. But I hung that phone up and I thought, boy, people go through trials and they have hardship. But you know, the greatest Christians in all of the Bible, the great, the very best, went through trials. Hey, uh, Daniel went through trials when he tried to just have a prayer life, walk with God. Daniel got put in the den of lions, didn't he? He got put in the den of lions for his prayer life, and there was trials. Job uh, had trials. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had trials. Paul had trials. Everybody. But there had no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. And when you think, I'm the only one going through this, God said, oh, no, it's common. You ever had something happen to you and thought you was the only one to ever happen to you, and you got to the doctor? They said, oh, no, this is common. That's why I've never even heard of it. And the doctor said, oh, yeah, happens all the time. Happens all the time. You know, I had heart surgery a few years ago. And uh, and when I got home from the hospital, I, I, I didn't hear this until I got home. And I, I, I got up and I started moving around a little bit. And when I would turn my body, I would literally hear my frame. I, I, I would hear my bones, my, my frame. I'd hear it struggling. I'd hear it. I'd hear them bones shifting and moving. You know what I thought? First thing coming out of my brother Johnson, I've come apart in there. 
They didn't get me wired together good enough or bolted together, whatever they done in there. Something's come loose. I got on the phone. I called my doctor. I said, Doc, I said, I got problems over here. He said, what is it? I said, when I move, I can hear them bones grinding. I can feel my whole frame of my body. I can hear it. He laughed. He said, they all hear it. I said, I never heard of this. Well, he said, you've never been operated on like this either, have you? I said, no. He said, it's common. Don't worry about it. It'll all come together. You know what? If you'll just keep moving in the right direction, it'll all come back together. Just stay in your Bible. Stay in prayer. Stay in the house of God. Now, this is all, you should preach, this is so primary, kindergarten. I know it. But let me tell you where people mess up trying to get fancy. People mess up trying to get away from just basics. They're looking, they're like that bunch on Mars Hill. They're always looking to hear something new. But let me tell you, brother, it ain't the new you need. It's the old. It's the old way. You need to stay in the Word of God. And you need to stay before God in prayer when you're going through trials. And you need to stay in the house of God. And you need to keep doing it. Then let me say, see that you fall not out by the way when tears of sorrow fill your heart, when there's things out of your control. And I'm talking about real heartache. You know, I was preaching in Colorado last October. I was preaching in Colorado. And uh, I was in, yeah, way up in the mountains. And me and the preacher had went out that morning. Uh, my son Steve was with me. And we went out that morning. <coughs> and we was in some places where, brother, you just couldn't hardly get a phone call. In fact, almost no phone reception. We got down into a place stopped at a little restaurant, and when we come out of there, I looked at my phone, and I seen Brother Bell, I had, I had seven or eight missed calls from my dad and my brother. That never happens. Uh, from my brother Randy and my, my dad. And I said, man, something's the matter. So, about the time I was trying to call, my nephew calls. And he said, Daryl, has anybody got a hold of you? And I said, no. He said, they've airlifted your brother Mark. Charleston Hospital. I said, what's happening to you? He was working and had a, had a heart attack and they didn't make, didn't make it. Well, that ain't all that happened. There's other things that went on. But before I got home, well, they left it hooked to a machine till I could come there and take, take it with me. My dad and mother, my daddy was 90 years old and my mother's health was just too pitiful. They weren't able Fifty, fifty-four, six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds, and as hard as that oak floor, he was as solid as a rock. I mean, as strong as a bull. All he's ever done in his life is, is form and trial concrete. His whole life, ever since he's been in the hospital. But there's my brother dead. That's a heartache. Then, forty-two days later. Say, preacher, what are you going to do? Somebody said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to fall out by the way. 
You see, it, it wouldn't help anything for me to stop. I got to go on. And you know what? While I was going on with all that, I still had people hurting. See, I still had people going through things that I had to try to help them and patch up my own deal. But you see, uh, if you if you'll stay uh, by the way and just stay in what you know to do that you've been trained and taught all this time, don't don't give it away from you. I've seen basketball teams. I've seen basketball teams get down twenty points or twenty five points and get down, and you thought, man, there ain't no way in the world they come back. And, and maybe a coach called a timeout and, and just talked to him and said, look, guys, you have to bear down on that defense. He didn't tell them nothing new they ain't already heard. He said, look, you're gonna have to play defense, and you're gonna have to not have these turnovers, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do this, that, and the other. And then they go out and they start chipping away at that thing, and they, they come back six points. And then they cut it down. They cut it down. They cut it. They come back to six points. But now they're only down by sixteen. Now, and then a little bit, they get another little run, and they cut it down. Now they're only down by ten. And then first thing you know, it's you say, "Well, wait a minute." And then they're they're down by six. And then they're down by four. And then it's tied, and the place is going crazy. But you know what they did? They just stayed by what they've been taught. And let me tell you something. Don't look to me and say, well, i got to go find the answer. You know the answer. You know the answer. You stay in the Word of God. Uh, what do you do when the, when, the, when the trials come and when the tears come? Let me tell you, you do not. Uh, look, Joseph never changed nothing. When it all come, when all these things come, he just kept doing what he'd been doing the whole time. And you know what happened? If you'll keep doing the right thing, you'll come out on the right road. If you stay on the right path, you'll come out on the right road. It may, I ain't telling you to be easy. I know a man and a woman, an Indian couple, they just visited my church a few weeks ago. They're members of Brother Chitty's church out in New Mexico. And this Navajo couple, their daughter is down in, their daughter was in Florida, lived in Florida. Her husband, she had a husband that was just uh, impossible to do anything with. But they had two babies. They had two babies. Uh, one was a year old. One was two. And this uh, this uh, girl's husband, of course, she had a restraining order against him. He was impossible to do anything with. And she took those babies one morning and went to a restaurant to eat. And when she came out of the restaurant, her husband had had a key to the car. And he had opened the trunk and got in it. And when she came out and buckled the babies in the, in the car, in the car seats, he jumped out of the trunk and ran around and took a hunting knife and stabbed her multiple times and threw her to the ground. And then he jumped in the car with his two babies buckled in the back and ran over her body and spanned out of the parking lot and took off down the road. He made a circle. Somebody saw it and called it the EMTs, and they come and was trying to save her life. He hit them and run over her again. Crazy. The state police by this time is after him. And he sees he can't get out of it. And he pulls over. Brother Bell takes a pistol that he had with him and turned and shot both of these babies. And they shot and killed each other. And Leland that phone call to come to Florida and identify their daughter as missing. They'd already had a drunk driver who had hit and killed a young 
I was to go there and preach two weeks after all this happened. I thought to myself, I wonder what my Savior is going to do. I met there in that meeting that night, like I do every year, and I looked over here, and there sat Leland and Terry Jr. Now, they were there, and they had tears every night. I'd look, and you'd have a light so shine was in an old arbor, and the light shined down their faces, and they'd look up while I was preaching, and I see the tears coursing down their face. And I thought, how in the world did they make it? You know how they made it? They just simply done what they'd been taught. They stayed in their Bible. They stayed on their knees, and they stayed in their church. And by the grace of God, now I'm telling you something, folks, something like that is too much almost to just even fathom it. But I'm trying to show you you can stay in the way. You can do it when the sorrows come, the trials come, the tears come. Then let me say this right here. We need to not fall out of the way because the task is so urgent. The, the task is so urgent. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already on the harvest, but the labors are few. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields. You know something? There's a lot of people that used to be in the bus ministry. They used to be out soul winning on Thursday nights and Thursday mornings or Saturday mornings. And they'd go out in the highways and hedges and talk to people about the Lord Jesus. And they don't even talk to anybody anymore. You know, I was coming out of the motel last night, uh, going to church, and taking my stuff out, and a black lady was coming in the door. I handed her a gospel tract. I said, ma'am, take this and, and, and read it. And I said, it, it tells you how to be saved. I said, I got saved up here in Beckley, West Virginia. Fifty-two years ago, I got saved. And she said, that's great. She said, but I don't know where Beckley is. I'm not from here. I said, are you saved? She said, yes. I said, where are you from? She said, Pontiac, Michigan. I said, I had a good preacher friend that lived in Pontiac named Dr. Tom Malone. She said, Telegraph Road? I said, yes. She said, that's where I got saved. She said, riding one of his buses. And you know, I thought about this going down the road last night. I told my wife, I said, isn't that something? Here we are, hundreds and hundreds of miles from Pontiac, Michigan. And I have a woman in track, and here's a woman. Well, the man that got saved because one day somebody didn't fall out of the way. Some bus workers. Now, I wonder if them workers have reached that lady still even uh, after. But folks, let me tell you something. There is no discharge in this war. There's not no, there's no jumping off place. If you're still breathing, you, still, you need to stay in this business of winning souls and, and reaching out to people. Uh, see that you fall not out of the way because the task is so urgent. Stay after him. Paul said, I lie not. My conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And then he said in verse 1 of chapter 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Can I tell you, 
uh, see that you fall not out by the way because the task is so urgent. See that you fall not out by the way because the table is supplied. God supplies the need. You see, God, what did Pharaoh tell him? See that you fall out out by the way and regard not your stuff. Don't worry about packing stuff. I'll, I'll pack it for you. I'll give you what you need. I'll, I'll give you wagons and horses and oxen and whatever you need. And I'll give you uh, food and water and supplies, clothes, everything you need. Just stay after it. Can I say this? That to God be the glory. I've been pastoring since 1982. I started pastoring in, in about March of 82. And do you know something that uh, God has supplied every need? I've watched God supply needs for me and for my church. And for me personally, He's taken care of me. There's never been a time that God has not taken care of me. If you get busy about the king's business, let me tell you something. You think He don't know what's going on. Hey, I can't even tell you. Now, I don't live in a big town. But my wife will tell you this is the honest truth. I'll eat in restaurants around where I live. And most of the time, I almost never buy a meal. I'll go in, sit down, and eat. And I'll get ready to leave. And, and uh, the waitress will say, somebody's not got your meal. I'll say, well, who was it? She said, I don't know. I didn't see anybody in there. five, six times in a row. I told her, I said, man, we got a good thing going here. <laughs> you know something? God, what I'm trying to tell you, God's taking care of it. He's taking care of it. And I'm simply saying, don't fall out by the way. If you'll stay after sinners, God will finance it. You know, I'm on 40. Let me just tell you this real quick, and I'll be done. I'll be done here just in a minute. Years ago, I was on one radio station, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I feel like you want me on more radio, but I ain't got the money, really, but you do. And I feel like you, you, you'd like me to do it. I don't really, you know, I don't know how to go about it. But, you know, I like what I want to do, Lord. I'd like to reach more people with my radio. I was on one station, local, Winston-Salem. I'd pick up reach Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Clemens, uh, all that area where I live, Salisbury. I was on one, one station. But I said, I'd like to get more. One day, a man named Clyde Ebram called me on the phone and said, Brother Cox, it's Clyde Ebram, Moorhead City, North Carolina. I didn't know him. He said, I want you to come hold me a revival. I said, well, I'd be glad to. And he, and he told me when he wanted it, and I had to open dates, and I went down there to preach. And uh, got down there, Clyde Ebram was almost 90 years old. And I didn't know him really. And he took me out to eat, and, and, and he said, Now, tomorrow, I want to take you over and show you my radio tower. My radio tower. I said, I'd like to see it in all of our radio rooms. And we got in there. He had he had a two rooms, two rooms that would be as big here as over to that wall. The 
had a wall between them, and he had full-time people working in radio. He said, I founded a radio station called FBN, Fundamental Broadcasting. I founded it. Many, many years ago. He said, I got radio stations overseas. I got them in almost every state in the United States. He said, I got radio stations all over America. He said, I've been to the Philippines and set up radio stations. I mean, but he, he actually, I mean, he actually went and done it. I said, Brother Eagle, I said, I, I'm just shocked I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah. He said, and he said, you had somebody put it on your phone. And they did. He put an app on it. FBN Radio. And uh, I said, well, let me ask you a question. I'd have been praying about getting on board radio, but didn't have money. I said, do you ever have any openings that a man could get on one of your stations? Well, he said, don't have anything right now, but it might here before long. Something may come over. If it does, I'll call you. And you know something? It wasn't but a few weeks, just a few days. Got a telephone call. Brother Cox, got an opening on the FBN. Would you be interested? I said, sure would. I said, what, what does it cost? It don't cost you nothing. This is what I'm going to tell you. I got on his station that piggybacked on over 40 stations to other stations. I've been all over the United States and had people walk up to me and say, I hear you on FBN. I've had people come up to me and say, I, had, I was in Yuma, Arizona a few months ago. This preaching man walked up and said, listen to you every night. Yuma, Arizona. Uh, I was in California and had some listen to you on FBN. Now, now, whether they got a station there or not, people's got it on their, on their phone. Hey, I get letters from all over America that say, listen to you on the radio. Wyoming and Michigan and Tennessee and Ohio and Kentucky and Virginia and West Virginia and all over the country. I mean, again, but you know what I did? I prayed about it and God financed it. Now, I gave you some money. But it wasn't nothing. There's no way I could pay for what I'm getting. There's no way in the world. Brother Richardson, no way in the world I could pay for what. But God fixed it to where I could do it. Hey, see that you fall not out by the way cause the table supply. Hey, can I just give you this last one and I'm through. This is it. Now, and it won't take me a minute. See that you fall not out by the way because of the tender flock. Preachers, this is to us. You remember over here, if you'll just turn real quick, turn right back, and it won't take me a minute, and I'll be done. In Genesis 33, look at it right here. Genesis 33, you remember how old Jacob? Remember how he beat Esau out of his birthright? Esau was going to kill him. Remember that? Look at verse number 9. Well, now he hears Esau's coming. And look at verse 9. And Esau said, I have enough. Esau's met up with him, and Jacob, trying to be the crook that he was, and the way he'd been, he had flocks and everything out ahead of him and was going to give all this stuff to Esau to try to soften the blow so he wouldn't kill him. And you know what Esau done got right? And he said in verse 9, he said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou unto thyself. And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if I found grace 
that in thy sight did receive my presence, my hand. For therefore I had seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God. For and thou hast pleased, and thou was pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. And he said, Let us take our journey, and let us go, and I will go before thee. And he said, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and herds are with young, uh, are with me. And if men should overdrive them, one day all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant, and I will lead on softly according, uh, uh, accordingly, uh, according as the, the cattle that goeth before thee, and the children be able to endure until I come unto my uh, Lord in unto Sarah. Now, you know what he said? He said, uh, listen, he said, you let me take care of this. He said, because I'll lead softly. I don't want anybody else leading on. Let, let me tell you something. You know why you need to not fall out of the way? There's people that are tender. And they need us to not fall out of the way. You know, I've gotten, I've gotten discouraged before, and God has actually used it. I've gotten so discouraged before that I wanted to say, look, I'm just going to resign it. I've got enough meeting. I can go to the bathroom and preach. I've got enough meeting. I don't have to worry about packing up and leaving. For years, I've preached a foreign meeting a year, for years. And I said, i got enough meeting. I'm an ex-pastor. But you know what? I'll look, and I'll look, and I'll get to looking, and i got a family of, of somebody sitting over here about dead with cancer. And then i got another over here at home that's just barely making it. And i got young converts sitting over here, and i got people over here. We, we love you. We depend on you. And I get to looking at it, brother, brother. Uh, and I said, you know what? There ain't no way. There ain't no way I can do this. There's no way I can walk out and do this. You know why? Because I'm afraid if they call somebody else, she wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it. She wouldn't make it. They wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it over here. So there's nothing else left for me to do to stay in the way. Just keep on driving and keep on going because if I fall out, by the way, the flock is tender and they need me. Are you following? Bobby Robertson had a brain tumor. Cancer of the brain. The doctor called him in and said, if we don't operate, you have no chance. If we operate, you have a little bit of a chance. And old brother Bobby sitting there said, do you think I'd have a chance to, to go on and do what I'm doing if, uh, if, if you operate? He said, there's a, a small chance. And Brother Bobby said, let's get to it then. Go ahead and open it up. Go ahead and take it out. Take out the cancer if you can. i got a church to pastor. Let's get it done. Eighty, eighty-some years old, almost 90 years old, and he never fell out of the way. Lee Robinson never fell out of the way. Thank God many of you have stayed in this church for many, many years, not falling out of the way. You, you keep staying in it. Let's bow our head. Let's bow our head. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll use these scattered